Hi, I'm New England Patriots running back and Super Bowl champ James White, and you listen to the Fantasy Football Champs podcast. Go Pats! What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another new episode of the Fantasy Football Champs podcast. AJ, how you doing today? Uh, you know, doing pretty good. We got another fantastic Thursday night game tomorrow. We're gonna touch on. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, I there's a few words, a few words you could use to describe tomorrow's night's game. Fantastic. I don't know if that's the best one to use there, but um. Yeah, before we start the show, just a quick reminder, we do have a very lively Facebook group. If you want a part of it, we do a lot of star stick questions, trade questions, lots of polls and fun topics. All you got to do is go on Facebook and go to the group tab, search up Fantasy Football Champs Podcast, or just type in Sleeper Wire, and you'll find us either way you choose. We do have a Twitter, that's at Champs underscore podcast, and we do have an Instagram, which is Fantasy underscore Champs. Um, we still have this beautiful Saquon Barkley autographed jersey just sitting here waiting to get given away to one lucky listener. All you got to do is leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and then once we hit 50, we'll give it away to one random person and make your day. So, um, yeah, now that we got that stuff out of the way nice and fast, we had a couple big-time injuries over the weekend, AJ, what happened in the NFL? Well, we also Drew Brees hurt his thumb. They're saying six to eight weeks for him. Ben Roethlisberger hurt his elbow. He is out for the season. What is that going to mean for Juju? It's not good. I'm, I mean, there's no other way around it. It's 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 not good. Um, not only is it going to affect Juju, but I also think it's going to affect Connor, which is the timing is awful because Connor got banged up with a knee injury, so he's not even 100%. So you'd think with Roethlisberger going down, they'd have to lean on the running game a little more, play a little more conservative, but James Connor is already hurt, and they they really can't rely on him to carry a huge workload, kind of like what Le'Veon Bell has to do for the Jets right now. I don't think Connor can stand up to that, so... It really, really hurts all the Steelers players. But what do you what do you think about Juju? Is this going to hurt him bad, or like, would you, if you had Juju on your team, would you be taking uh, trade suggestions, or are you still holding? Uh, I would, I would be open to trading him. Uh, I think it's going to hurt his value a little bit, maybe a, maybe a little bit more than a little bit. But uh, I don't think it's going to be the point where he's like putting up goose eggs or anything like that like juju is good enough uh but aside of juju though i do think that vince mcdonald his value is going up a little bit uh we saw what happened last week and from preseason there's a good connection between the quarterback and and james washington so maybe james washington starting to rise a little bit but uh yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Juju will be too. But we're gonna have to wait and see on that. 
Yeah, if, if I had Juju, all right, to put it in perspective, right? Juju Smith-Schuster was being drafted mid-second round, and uh, he had a lot of upside this season. If we were to do a, a redraft today with Roethlisberger out of the picture, where do you think you would have felt comfortable drafting Juju with Roethlisberger out of the picture? Uh, Probably late third. Late third. Oh, see, that hurts. If I had Juju, i definitely see if I can try to sell him to somebody that is still high on him. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a Steelers fan in any league. Probably move him there. Or just roll with him because I, I, I do think he's going to keep producing. Just maybe not have the best numbers, but, I mean, he's going to be worth playing. Yep, and we should note that Ben Roethlisberger is officially out for the rest of the season. Now, Roethlisberger wasn't the only quarterback to get hurt this weekend. So, what do you got on Drew Brees? Well, Brees, Brees is going to be out. Like I said, he's going to be out sixty-eight weeks. Uh, it just came out a few minutes ago that they are not putting him on IR. So uh, that's that's good news for Brees and Brees owners. Uh. As for his targets over there in New Orleans, I think I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. He's not going to put up the crazy high numbers that Bruce puts up, but Teddy Bridgewater is, is up there with some of the best backup quarterbacks. Like he's led he's led a horrible Minnesota team to the playoffs. So th- this kid can play. Uh, but having said that. I think Michael Thomas, his numbers might come back down to reality a little bit. Uh, Jared Cook has been a non-factor so far. I mean, he did have seven targets last week, but he only brought in two of them. So, I mean, if Cook can get those seven targets on a weekly basis from Bridgewater, I'll be happy with that. Uh, Kamara, I think he might struggle a little bit because now people are not going to be as respectful of the passing game. So they're probably going to stack the box a little bit more. So uh, really, if Bridgewater comes out and starts slinging the thing and playing well, I think Kamara's value stays about the same. But if he if he starts struggling, I think Kamara's going to really take a hit. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think I mean it's just gonna it's gonna hurt everybody. I mean Jared Cook, I think that that uh, that quarterbacks newer quarterbacks. I know Bridgewater's been around for a while, but he hasn't played. Like meaningful football in a while, so <clears throat> I feel like it applies to him too. But they kind of rely on their uh, on their big, easy tight ends, not down the field. Nice short line of scrimmage tight passes. I mean, we saw Vance McDonald's. I mean, the dude had seven catches, but only thirty eight yards. But he had two touchdowns. That was when after, all that was when uh, after Roethlisberger got hurt. So I think Jared Cook could be okay with Michael Thomas. It definitely hurts his scoring opportunities for sure. I mean. You, you can't sit there and tell me that the Saints are going to score as many points as they would if they had Drew Brees. So I still think uh, Michael Thomas is going to get targeted enough. I am afraid that just the touchdowns won't be there. And for a guy that the touchdowns, he's never broke double-digit touchdowns in a season, I think it's safe to say he's going to have another year like that. Now, a very concerning thing for me was I figured – uh, Alvin Kamara would have got targeted even more. I mean, we all saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the dude had double-digit targets when uh, when the... I mean, he was Dennis Thurston quarterback, but he was like the safety blanket. So I thought Alvin Kamara essentially would be the safety blanket for Bridgewater, but 
the dude only had three targets. That that really needs to come back up if Alvin Kamara is going to keep his uh, his productivity. Like he needs the targets in the passing game. So hopefully with the week of practice, they know Bridgewater is going to be the guy. Hopefully they can scheme some stuff to get Kamara the ball in space. So the the Kamara owners don't have to panic because I know I've been seeing in a lot of different leagues, Michael Thomas and Kamara have been kind of popular uh, trade targets right now. People are trying to sell and jump ship and then other people are trying to buy on the lower side and just see what they got. So uh, it, it sucks that the two quarterbacks that went down, I mean, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but it sucks that it was from the Saints and the, the Steelers where they have uh, big-time fantasy players on each side of them, on each team, and now both of them are going to take a bit of a hit. Now, yep. One thing I do want to add, though, there's actually a third quarterback that went down. And he went down to the bench. Eli taking a seat for Daniel Jones. What do you think about that? This is exciting. Like, could could Daniel Jones open up the offense enough to where you can't just fucking put 10 guys in the box against Saquon Barkley? And, I mean, it goes without, like, it should be mentioned that, I mean, not this week, but next week, Golden Tate is coming back. So, you get Golden Tate coming back. I mean, he's healthy. And the dude hasn't played football. He hasn't took a shot yet. So you got Golden Tate coming back, and then you mix in this rookie quarterback that looks really good in the preseason. And Evan Ingram, he should be fine. He should still get the targets. Hopefully the volume stays where it is. We don't we don't really know what it's going to be with Daniel Jones yet. But I think if you're a Giants fan, I think you have to be excited. I mean, all Giants fans, I imagine you've been waiting to get rid of Eli for a long time. There's no reason why... Uh, why this switch shouldn't be a positive thing. I'm just glad that it's happy, happening already and they're not waiting until like the end of the year. Like the Giants are like, all right, let's just do this now. Yeah, no, it, I like it. Uh, quick little story about one of my fantasy leagues. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 0-2 in this league. I have a very solid roster, but my quarterback has been just issue after issue. So basically what happened is I drafted Andrew Luck late, drafted Cam Newton late. Luck retires. Cam's looked awful. He's injured. There's rumors the era of Cam in Carolina might be nearing an end, which is awful. And then I do a trade two days before Sunday for Drew Brees. So while that trade's getting processed, Brees is out for eight weeks. So what do I do? I hit the waiver wire and I pick up Danny Jones. I'm rolling with this kid. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. But he's going to be in my lineup when I'm waiting to see what's, what's going on. So I'm excited, and I hate the Giants. So I think this kid can really make that offense hit another level that he, like, wasn't bringing it to. Uh, I think it could definitely help Saquon, which he doesn't need that much help for fantasy value. The guy's a, a monster. Uh, the only issue I would say, though, is they're so banged up a receiver. With, uh, you know, Latimer got hurt and uh, Shepard's always banged up. But like you said, they are getting tape back next week. And Evan Ingram looks like a superstar. So, they, I mean, this kid will have some tools around him. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be excited to watch him on Sunday and see what he does against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, he's, uh, he's coming into a pretty plus matchup. So, I mean... 
Cam Newton couldn't do anything against Tampa Bay, but I think that's more uh, Cam Newton's fault than Tampa's fault. But we'll get to Cam Newton right now, actually. Let's jump into the weekly recap, and we're going to start off with that ugly Thursday night game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. The Buccaneers got the road win 20-14, to and uh, not this was not a good game for Cam Newton. So do you want to break down Cam, or is there some, or do you want to talk about the Tampa Bay side? I'll talk about the Panthers. Now, I have I have Cam on two leagues, and luckily enough, in one of them, in my, in my personal league, uh, I drafted Brady late. So Cam has been on my bench the whole time. I'm rolling, rolling with Brady. Brady's on fire. Uh, but, I mean, Cam went 25 of 51. That is awful. That is terrible. Like, less than 50% of his passes. And he's got targets everywhere. He has he has the best receiving back in the league. When Christian McCaffrey had 107 catches last year, this guy couldn't hit the side of a barn. It was unbelievable. It was so annoying to watch. His body language was terrible. Like, I just don't... It's almost like Cam just isn't mentally there right now. So I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes, but Cam looks terrible. He's, he's, I mean, really, he's droppable in some leagues. Uh, I, mean, I was going to give him one more shot this week against Arizona's defense, but now it's coming out that he hasn't been practicing. His foot's re-aggravated, so I'm going to start moving away from Cam. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a tough game. 16 carries for only 37 yards. Uh, that's, as a McCaffrey guy, and I own him in a ton of leagues, that's not what I want to see. Only two receptions on just six targets. And McCaffrey should be getting way more than six targets. I mean, that's just, they just underutilized him. A lot of times when I was watching that game, too, they would keep him in there to block. So the fact that they were wasting McCaffrey as a blocker, when you have one of the most athletic quarterbacks of all time under center, it just leads me to believe that Cam is still hurt, which now it's out. He is hurt. So, I mean, they just, they got to figure something out. I, I almost hope they just rest him this week. But uh, a couple positives, though, is, uh, I mean, Greg Olson was barely getting drafted in all these leagues, and he goes out there and gets six catches for 110 yards on nine targets. So, Greg Olson is back to being the focal point. He's looking healthy, making some great catches. So, Greg Olson, his stock is up. And even if, you know how tight ends go, if, if Cam doesn't play and a backup comes in, Tight end usually doesn't lose too much of the value. Uh, and another note I want to make about the Carolina Panthers is that my guy, DJ Moore, 14 targets, turning into nine catches for 89 yards. No touchdowns yet, but he's definitely a PPR guy. DJ Moore on PPR is phenomenal this year. Uh, I just hope that he can keep that up if Cam does miss them. Yeah, funny you talk about your boy, and I agree with you that Cam Newton is – uh, he's very, very close to droppable. If you have another uh, decent quarterback option on your team, I think you can drop Cam. I understand if you want to wait another week, but it's just funny how the coaching staff comes out. Oh, no, he doesn't have a foot issue. He's 100% healthy. And then he just looks like shit for two weeks, and now they're just like, oh, yeah, no, it's the foot. Like, that's what it is. Um, like you said, 25 to 51. I mean, that's trash. No touchdowns, no picks. Got sacked three times. A QBR of 27 and a half, which sucks. Now, let's talk about Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston had 
a little bit of a bounce back. He was 16 for 25 for 208 and a touchdown. Uh, his QBR was only 54.9, but hey, that's better than 27. But the thing that was really concerning to me for all the Rojo believers out there is Peyton Barber had 23 carries to Ronald Jones's four. Like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Rojo looked good week one. He had his best game of his career, and then they come out, and Peyton Barber is the workhorse. Now, he had 23 carries. He only had 82 yards, which is an average of about three and a half. But he had a touchdown, which I imagine nobody on planet Earth, maybe even another planet in our solar system, played Peyton Barber. So that touchdown was most likely wasted on the waiver wire or on your bench. I don't. If you had Peyton Barber in your starting lineup, please send us a screenshot on the Facebook group because that would be comical. And I don't believe you. Yeah, you with your hand up saying you started him. I don't believe you. Now let's go to the receiving options. Now Mike Evans, again, he's been disappointing fantasy owners. He had four catches for 61 yards. He had a 41-yard bomb, which attributed to the majority of his yards. But the, but the reason why I think you should stay optimistic on Evans is he had eight targets. Now, James Winston gets a little wild when he throws it deep, and the majority of Mike Evans' balls are deep balls. So he only caught 50% of his targets. But the eight targets, that's good. That so Hold Mike Evans. He's still getting uh, looked at. Chris Godwin had nine targets. So they were pretty close, nine and eight. But Godwin caught eight of his for 121 in the touchdown. Chris Godwin was my guy coming into the year, and so far through the first two weeks, he is not disappointing. He looks absolutely fantastic. In one of my leagues where I have Mike Evans, I actually proposed the trade to swap for Chris Godwin straight up. And the kid that I tried to do the trade with, he actually turned it down. So that just shows you how hot Godwin is right now. Now, probably one of the most concerning things is the tight end position, O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard was supposed to be a big-time breakout player this year. He had tons of hype around him. Some uh, experts were saying how he's going to be this year's George Kittle. New offense, high-powered offense, tons of pass attempts, and everything just was good for O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard played a ton of the snaps, too. He played over 80% of the snaps. He didn't even have a single target. He was basically used primarily as an extra blocker, and he got you a goose egg this week. Now, if you have O.J. Howard, I understand like you probably want to trade him. You're probably even thinking about just straight dropping him for one of these young tight ends or Greg Olson or something like that. I'm going to urge you to wait. I say give it another week. Chris Arians came out just yesterday saying that the targets are coming for O.J. Howard. And Arians was kind of talking shit to him, too, trying to get him fired up, saying that like he needs to be better. So I think that they could make a point to try to get O.J. Howard featured more in the passing game this week. So I'd hold O.J. Howard for another week. Um, is there anything you want to talk about with Tampa, or can we move on to the next one? Uh, the only thing I would say about Tampa is, uh, I mean, if I was a Mike Evans owner, I'd be pretty bummed out because uh, he's just not really putting anything together right now. I know a lot of that's on Jameis and the emergence of Godwin. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not an O.J. Howard guy. I never have been. So it doesn't really surprise me. He's inconsistent. Uh, not, I mean, that's really about it. What's the next game we're going to talk about? All right, let's talk about the New England Patriots going to Miami to face the Dolphins. Now, 
We, I remember talking about this game before it happened, and the uh, the spread on the game, the Patriots were favored by 19 and a half, I believe. Oh boy, did they cover. They actually won by 43 points, 43 to zero, and an absolute beatdown. Now, there isn't a single player on Miami's side that is worth talking about. There's, there's nothing. Um, yeah, no, there's nothing to talk about with Miami. So let's just talk about the Patriots. I'll let you go first, and if you miss anything, I'll chime in. But this should be a quick game to go over. Yeah, uh, well, the first thing I wanted to talk about, like I talked about last week in this very episode, is the Pats D's for real. Since the Super Bowl, we've given up six points. It's ridiculous. So, so far in the season, we've only given up three points. Uh, I was scoring our opponents 76 to three. Like, just think about that. It's absolutely ridiculous. There was two pick sixes on defense. If you started the Pats defense, you got about 40 points. So, there you go for that. I mean, uh, now talking about the receivers, though, Antonio Brown, first game as a Patriot. He got eight targets. He turned into four catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. Like I said uh, last week, we're, we're either going to handle the Antonio Brown situation one of two ways. We're either going to not really utilize him that much in wake of what's going to happen with all the legal stuff, or we're just going to pepper him with targets and feed him the ball. That's the way I was leaning, and that's exactly what happened. He led the team in targets with eight, and he turned it, he got a touchdown out of it. Now, uh, Edelman he had four targets. That's not that much for Edelman, but he had he went four for four for 51. And uh, Dorsett had three targets, three receptions, 39 yards. Josh Gordon, though, was very quiet. He had five targets and only had two catches for 19 yards. So, uh, you know, that's Josh Gordon. We, we kind of don't know what to expect only because look, with Antonio Brown in the situation and them trying to give him the ball to get used to the offense, I think Josh Gordon is going to take a little bit of a hit. But once Gordon gets up, you know, up the car with everything, I think that'll kind of level off. And then Russian, Sony finally had a decent game, 21 for 85 and a touchdown. Uh, Rex Burke has been looking pretty good this season so far. Coming off the bench as a change of pace. Uh, he had five for 21. But, I mean, it all comes down to Brady. 20 at 28, 264, two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. So the GOAT is on fire. The Pats look great. Uh, it's a great day to be a New England fan. Yep. No, I agree. Sony looked good. He had the 21 for 85, average four, uh, four yards of carry. The one thing for me that kind of had me like pulling my hair out is there was a play. Now, obviously, we're Patriot fans. We watch these games. We watch all the games. There was a play when they had uh, they had Sony they had Sony uh, pass block and then he kind of cut it up up the middle of the field and he sat down in the zone. It was he was probably only about five yards away from Brady. Brady had pressure in his face and he actually pump faked it to Sony and then he just tucked it and took the sack. I was sitting there yelling at the TV like fucking throw it to him. Like even working on his pass catching, that was an opportunity to pass him the ball. Sony still doesn't have a target this season. That was the one. I don't know why Brady hesitated. Maybe it wasn't designed to be that way. But I was pretty bummed out when I saw that he didn't get the target. But he got the touchdown. He should have had two touchdowns in this game. One of his touchdowns got called back at the one. And then Tom Brady uh, did a QB sneak and he scored the touchdown. So Sony could have had an even bigger game than he did. So I think 
uh, more good performances are to come for Sony Michelle. So I'm liking that. Um, the Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon thing. Now, we both felt that Antonio Brown would kind of be force fed, try to make him comfortable in the offense. And, you know, just try to get him going because with a with a head case like that, you don't want him starting shit already, complaining like he's not getting the ball. So you want to go out there, you want to make him happy. And this is a good team to do it against because Miami can't stop anybody. So it did affect Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon didn't get his first target until, I think, the start of the third quarter. Or maybe it was late second quarter. But Josh Gordon wasn't really involved. Now, he, he was second on the team in targets with five. Which I mean, that's a good thing. He, he got he got some targets, but he only caught two of them for twenty yards. Uh, he had he had one nice he had one nice play called back with the penalty. So I think better days are ahead for Josh Gordon. He's still startable in my opinion. It's just it could be a little bit of an adjustment period with Antonio Brown. But the thing with Antonio Brown is we still don't know if he's going to play the whole season here or not. This, I feel like every day a new legal issue is popping up about AB. And all Goodell has to do is be like, no, like he's going on the exempt list. Like, you don't have him. You know Goodell doesn't like the Patriots. So it wouldn't surprise me if it comes out tomorrow that he's going to go on the, on the commissioner's list and we won't have him. So if you have Josh Gordon, make sure you hold on. This could be an opportunity to buy Edelman for the cheap. I mean, he had 451, pretty bad game. So... Edelman could be a good buy low target right now in case something does happen to Antonio Brown. Uh, Antonio Brown, I feel like he's not a, he's a guy you can't trade for right now just because the AB owners are probably feeling high and mighty after this one, after the touchdown. But I'm holding Gordon. I'm trying to trade for Edelman and for Antonio Brown. That just stays a wait and see. Now, let's go over to the Arizona Cardinals, Baltimore Ravens. Now, Baltimore won this one at home 23-17. to um. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you take this one first. What side do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I'll go Baltimore. Uh, Lamar Jackson for real. In case anybody was doubting, not only did he look great passing the ball, he had like 120 yards rushing, or, or, or more. I mean, I forget what he ended up with. I'm pulling up the stats right now, but the guy is just a dual threat that we haven't really seen since Michael Vick. And to be honest, I think he is better than Michael Vick. And uh, he's a much he's a more accurate passer than Vick was. Maybe he doesn't have the same arm, but I mean, the, this kid looks fantastic. He's going to be, a, like I said, weeks ago, like a month ago. If he can pass the ball, he's going to be a fantasy superstar. And that's exactly what we're all witnessing right now. This kid looks unreal. Uh... Hollywood Brown looking good too. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a fluke. Last week he he looks really good. His route running is great. He's got great hands. Uh, I mean you can tell he's related to Antonio Brown just the way he moves out there. But uh, yeah, I mean it. The Ravens the Ravens are going to be interesting. A very interesting team in the AFC. They got a big matchup coming up this week too. So I'm going to be very interested to see how they uh, stand their ground. On Sunday, yeah. Um, nah, I mean they they look good. They they really do look good. Like Lamar Jackson just looks fantastic right now. He, he's right now he's the number one quarterback of fantasy. He he's actually number one, and Mahomes is number two. If you can believe that, Lamar Jackson's still the number one quarterback through the first two weeks. But the Cardinals side, you now Kyler Murray 
again, the dude is putting up some big time passing numbers. He goes 25 for 40, which isn't great, but he had about 350 yards. He got sacked three times, which I mean, he's a mobile quarterback on a bad offensive line. So uh, you'd like to see that a little lower, but I mean, you get what you get. Uh, rushing that David Johnson did get hurt in this game. So if you look at the box score, you've seen seven carries for 14 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was an absolute get out of jail free card. If he didn't get that touchdown, he would have had an absolutely terrible game. Now he had one catch for zero yards, seven carries for 14 yards. He did miss roughly about half the game though. So this uh, this probably won't happen again for David Johnson. Just hang in there with him. I mean, you just gotta take the L this week if you lost with David Johnson in your lineup. Kyler Murray only ran the ball three times for four yards. You'd really like to see him be a little more mobile. You'd like to see him have some more rushing attempts. I mean, Lamar Jackson ran for how many yards? 120. And Kyler Murray ran for four. Like, you you want – if you have a more mobile quarterback, you want him to take advantage of his legs. The receiving game, it's wild. Larry Fitzgerald, as old as he is, he led the team in targets again. With 11. He had five for 104. No touchdowns, but he did have a 54 yard bomb, which was nice. Christian Kirk looks solid. He looks like he's the lock and loaded number two. He had eight targets, caught six of them for 114. Uh, the Arizona's offense is fun. It's not that high powered, so hopefully, hopefully they can get it going. Hopefully they can protect Kyler Murray a little more. And if I have Kyler, um, really ruined Finn to, to run the ball a little more. But uh, yeah, no, that's going to do it for Arizona. Let's go over. The San Francisco uh, 49ers against the Bengals. Now, the 49ers put a beat down on the Bengals at home. They beat them 41 to 17. This game got out of hand. Which one do you want? Uh, I'll take the Bengals. You can go first with the 49ers. Okay, so Garoppolo, Garoppolo had a nice bounce back here. He was 17 for 25 for 297 and three touchdowns. He did have one interception. But the three touchdowns and about 300 yards, that's nice. Uh, he had a nice average uh, yards per, per throw. He averaged about 12 yards a throw, which which is nice. You want your quarterbacks to have that because that equals fantasy points. Now, the running game was insanity. They could do whatever they wanted against Cincinnati. Matt Breda got the start with Tevin Coleman out. He, he was actually second on the team in carries with 12. But on those 12 carries, he made the most of them. With averaging 10.1 yards a carry, he ran for 121 yards, no touchdowns. Roheem Mozart led the team with 13 carries, and he did well, too. He had 13 for 83, also no touchdowns. And then Jeff Wilson Jr., of all people, he had 10 carries for only 34 yards, so he was the low man in rushing yards, but he had two touchdowns. <laughs> Go figure. So the, the San Francisco running game was just total chaos. Now, the receiving game, Debo Samuels dominated the targets. He had seven targets, five catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Great game for Debo. Marquise Goodwin made an appearance. He had only three targets, but he caught all three for 77 yards and a touchdown. So, Goodwin getting up on the scoreboard. Now, I liked Goodwin coming into the year because he had he had good connection with, uh, with Garoppolo. Uh, two seasons ago, it looked like they had some nice chemistry. And then last year, obviously, both were banged up. Agrappolo missed a lot of time. And that now both of them are back at the same time. They both are fairly healthy. Well, Goodwin's fairly healthy. But 
you'd like to see Goodwin's targets come up a little bit. But if you started him in your lineup or if you had him in draft games, like you were definitely pleased with that performance. Um, Mozart actually led all the running backs in targets. He had four targets, caught three of them for an additional 68 yards and a touchdown through the air. So Mozart had himself a fucking game. So now going forward with the San Francisco rushing, Mozart, you can definitely add. I'd be adding Mozart. They came out uh, just about 10 minutes ago. Uh, the 49ers came out and said that Jeff Wilson's going to be their goal line back. So if you have Breda, that's a killer because you really want Breda to be able to get into the end zone. And like like discussed, Breda can't handle a workhorse role. He can't do it. He's too he's too fragile. He is he's talented, but he's too fragile. He just can't do it. So that's why I thought the Tevin Coleman Breda split would be about like uh, 65 35, something like that, or maybe even a clean 60 40. But with Coleman out of the picture right now for another couple weeks, it looks like this running game is going to be ugly. So you can still take a shot and start Breda. You might even be able to start Mozart, to be honest, if he's going to be the quote unquote passing down back. And then Jeff Wilson, I mean, if he's going to be the goal line guy, he could be a flyer in a super deep league if you're desperate. But, uh, yeah, no, that's basically the San Francisco offense this week. Yeah, how about the 49ers? That, that defense looks great. I can't believe they're uh, they're 2-0. and uh, Going to the Bengals. Now, the, the first thing that sticks out to me about the Bengals this year is where the hell is Joe Mixon? This guy was a second-round pick. I have him, I think, on two teams, and it's just – it's been awful so far. He had 11 carries for 17 yards. I mean, he looked healthy, but, I mean, those those numbers are hurting. Uh, Dalton actually played pretty well, 26-42, 3-11, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, it's just the Bengals are a mess right now. But they have they do have some, some fancy guys going off. It's just not the one I want. You know, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing downs last year. Uh, he's not going to do that again this year. On the receiving side of the ball, though, Tyler Boyd had 10 catches on 10 targets for 122 yards. John Ross had eight targets, uh, turned in four catches for 112 and a touchdown. And uh, good old Mr. Reliable slash Mr. Injured, Tyler Eifert, actually got a touchdown on five targets, three catches for nine yards. Uh, I mean, there's not really much to go on right here. I mean, Tyler Boyd and John Ross are balling out so far this year. Uh, and it just came out that A.J. Green is going to be out a little bit longer than expected. So, I mean, that's good for anybody owning those two guys. But, uh, yeah, Joe Mixon, what the hell is going on? I know he's your boy. You're a Mixon guy, so can you explain to me what the hell is going on with this guy? Uh, he's just he's just not fully healthy right now. Um, San Francisco got behind in this game fairly quickly. It was pretty – I mean – all right, let's break down Joe Mixon real quick. Let me break this down to you. Now, they go behind in a hurry. San Francisco went out there and embarrassed them. Mixon, he only had 11 carries, which led the team. But when you get in your ass kicked, you can't really run the ball that much. Now, he did. He looked really bad. Now, the 49ers defense has looked good this year so far. So, I don't know how much of it is uh, – I don't know how much of it is Joe Mixon just – not being able to perform or the injuries holding him back or the 49ers defense is legit. 
Now, he had the 11 for 17, 1.5 a carry, which isn't good. And what else is embarrassing is he had a rush of nine yards. So nine of his 17 yards came on one run. That's not good. Um, but in the passing game, I mean, he did get five targets, which is nice. He only caught three of them for 10 yards. Um, I don't know. if I don't have Joe Mixon in any leagues this year. Now, he was my guy. Somehow, I didn't end up with him anywhere. Joe Mixon's a guy... I'm trying to trade for right now if the Mixon owner is panicking. He's a true three-down back. He has pass-catching skills. He's great. he's he's an all-around great running back. Like he was getting drafted late first round, maybe mid-second round in some in some leagues. I still want to get Joe Mixon if I can. I think right now is the perfect time to do it. It's just I think that San Francisco just went in there and overwhelmed them a little bit. I mean, did. I mean, it has to be a mixture. It has to be a mixture. The injury has to be bothering him still. It has to be because he's he's better than this. So he's the guy I'm trying to trade for right now. Yeah. All right. Well, I have him in one of the leagues. I think you're in. So maybe I'll send you a trade off. Hey, I'll I'll do it. But the problem is, is when you and me are in the same leagues, uh, if you have a guy who's not performing and you know he's one of my guys, you won't let me buy him on the cheap. You want. A fucking king's ransom just because you know I like him. So you got damn right. Moving I, on. I do gotta say that. <laughs> what happened? Chargers. We gotta fuck. We gotta speed it up a little bit. Yeah, we do. All right. So yeah, let's go faster this one. Just like point out like fucking three things quick. Don't take too long talking about them. All right. So next up, we had the Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Detroit. This was an ugly game. A total score of twenty-three points. The Chargers lost ten to thirteen. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna talk about Detroit. Uh, Stafford did okay. I mean, he went 22 for 30, 245, two touchdowns, two picks, which is a killer. Carry on Johnson, he's still not getting the carries that you want. He only had 12 carries for 41 yards. In the uh, in the passing game, he had three targets for two catches, an additional 47 yards, and he did have a touchdown through the air, which turned out to make him have a pretty salvageable week. He had about 60 yards and a touchdown altogether. So that's decent. Receiving game, Kenny Galladay absolutely dominated the targets. He had 10 targets this game, caught eight of them for 117 and a touchdown. Second on the team was Marvin Jones with six targets. He caught five of them for 43. And, uh, yeah, no, the, the Detroit offense just hasn't clicked yet. Now, C.J. Anderson did get released from the team, so that could help a little bit, but he still only had five carries for eight yards, but I mean, Ty Johnson had five carries. Stafford ran the ball four times. CJ had five carries. JD McKissick got in here for two carries. So 
uh, Detroit really needs to thin out this running game. They need to go with a two-back approach, or even a one would be preferable with Carryon Johnson. He needs to get more than 12 carries a game. So what happened over there for the Chargers? Uh, the Chargers saw Austin Eckler have another great game. He has 17 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. And also had six receptions for 67 yards. He did have a beautiful touchdown get called back which sucks. It was a holding call, but, uh, I mean, he would have had an even better game. Uh, Keenan Allen had 15 targets, turned it into eight receptions for 98 yards. Uh, so, I mean, there was no receiving touchdowns in this game, but uh, Mike Williams had three catches for 83 yards, so, I mean, there was some yardage there. Eckler just still being a beast. Uh, yeah, Phillip did almost 300 yards passing but for whatever reason they could not get into the end zone uh, yeah I mean that's really it. Eckler just continues to continues to carry some of these teams yeah uh, real quick on the charges before we move over Eckler uh, Eckler for me personally he is a humongous trade candidate right now if I have Austin Eckler Austin Eckler is the number one running back through fantasy football for two weeks if I could get, if I could trade him and try to get me like a Dalvin Cook or maybe a parrot, uh, a parent, a uh, uh, paranoid uh, Alvin Kamara owner, or if I could do something like that and move Eckler, I'm doing it in a heartbeat because a report came out today that Melvin Gordon will in fact be back. Now Melvin Gordon put the six to eight week frame out there, so that's about four to six weeks away. And then he came out again today saying that he's definitely going to play. And he wants to be a Charger. So he will be back for the Chargers. He's just preserving himself and decreasing the chance of him getting injured before getting a contract or a new contract. So for me, I know you love Eckler. If I had Eckler right now, I'm trying to sell as fucking high as you can. And because he's only going to be viable for maybe a few more weeks. And then once Melvin Gordon comes back, Eckler will still be involved. But Eckler is going to go back to the Justin Jackson role right now. He'll probably get about seven, eight carries a game, a couple targets. But Melvin Gordon is going to dominate that backfield like he has for the past three seasons. If I had Eckler, I'm selling. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. I get where you're coming from. Uh, it's This is kind of like the James Conner, Le'Veon Bell situation, though. The Chargers don't need Melvin Gordon. They really don't. This guy's the number one running back in the league right now. Uh, and Justin Jackson, the limited carries he's been getting, he averages like eight to ten yards a carry. So he's he's pretty damn good too. Like they have two really good young running backs. And I saw the I saw the quote from Melvin Gordon today about you know playing again this season, and he said he's gonna play somewhere. So we'll see what that means. Yeah, but I mean, even so, if you had Eckler right now, say Melvin Gordon. Uh, gets traded and doesn't go back to the Chargers. If you had Austin Eckler and he's so blazing hot right now, if you could trade like Austin Eckler and pair him with like a like a Diggs, would you trade Eckler and Diggs for like a Zeke or a Barkley? I mean Barkley probably, but I mean Eckler's the number one guy right now. That I don't see that changing unless Gordon comes back. And even if Gordon comes back, a guy that chose to hold out. Get on team's wishes, and then you got this young kid that doesn't have an injury history, like Melvin Gordon. 
He's putting up better numbers than Melvin Gordon would be putting up. <laughs> why, why would you switch so drastically? No, because I, I maybe have Melvin Gordon be a backup role. I mean, Melvin Gordon's a great running back, but he's not. Like, are you trying to tell me that Eckler's numbers right now aren't better than what Gordon's probably would be right now? I, I think that they'd be close. Eckler. Eckler's really benefiting from his usage in the receiving game. He's usually getting about 50% of his yards are just coming in the receiving game. I'm, the rushing game hasn't really been there for him. He seems to be between like 60 and 70 yards rushing per game. Gordon would be higher than that. And Gordon would also be used in the passing game just as much. So I actually think Gordon would be the same or just about better, which means that he'd be a top three running back for me at this point. And the reason why if Gordon comes back to the team, I think you use him right away, is because with all this, even if there's not any bad blood, like both sides seem to be leading on, I think that if you bring Gordon back, you can bring him back and you can just run him into the ground because he has fresh legs. And you're probably, at this point, you're probably not going to give him a new contract. So... You could preserve Eckler and Jackson moving forward, and you could just grind the hell out of Melvin Gordon for half a season, and then you could try to ship him in the offseason. So I think Gordon, uh, for example, if I'm in a league where I don't have Melvin Gordon already, I'm trying to buy him on the cheap and stashing him because I think he could be a league winner in a few weeks. Now, let's get to Minnesota, Green Bay. Now, Green Bay won at home. They won 21-16. to in this one, um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to take the Packers. Now, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been Aaron Rodgers-esque. Now, he had he was 22 for 34, which is all right. 209 and two touchdowns. Two touchdowns is nice, but 209 passing yards is not great. Now, he had a blazing hot first quarter. I thought Rodgers was going to hang up like a 40 in this game. I thought he was going to absolutely kill it, but he definitely slowed down. Aaron Jones finally had his breakout. He had 23 carries for 116 and a touchdown. We've been waiting for Aaron Jones to dominate this backfield and carries so far. It's been, well, I mean, well, for the first week, Jamal Williams was out there more than we wanted. Jamal Williams only got nine carries this game for 28 yards. So they definitely featured Aaron Jones. And they finally featured him in the passing game as well. Aaron Jones had six targets, four catches, 34 yards. So that was nice. Hopefully he can stay involved in the, in the passing game. Devontae Adams kind of been off to a slow start this season. He led the team with nine targets, caught seven of them for 106, no touchdowns. So Devontae Adams, uh, better days are ahead for Devontae. If I drafted him as the number one wide receiver, I'm still holding. I'm not panicking. As Green Bay had two tough matchups the first two weeks, so better days are ahead for Devontae. Uh, this one was it was pretty bad for Geronimo Allison and MVS, to be honest. MVS had one more target. He had six targets. The Allison's five. Now, Allison caught four. Valdez Scanling only caught three. Allison had 25 receiving yards, and he caught a touchdown. Valdez Scanling had 19 yards and no touchdowns. So both of those guys had lackluster performances. But again, how much of that can we contribute to the defense of Minnesota? I think we definitely have to put some of it on them. But that's going to basically do it for the Packers. Lackluster offense so far, and Jones finally had a dominant game. So fantasy players are happy about that if they kept Aaron Jones after an awful week one. Yeah, it was nice to see Aaron Jones actually be used the right way. Uh, Minnesota side of the ball, Kirk Cousins actually threw more than 10 passes this week. Threw 32, only completing 14, though. And he had two picks and a touchdown. Uh, Dalvin Cook continues to steamroll 
the NFL. 20 carries, 154 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he looks absolutely ridiculous. And then the receiver side of the ball, Thielen, 5 for 75 on eight targets. Uh, concerning for me right here, he did salvage it with a touchdown, but Stephon Diggs had seven targets and only had one catch. He had a 49-yard touchdown grab. But one reception on seven targets, that's that's not that great. I mean, that's comparable to what Devontae Parker did against the Pats. He had seven targets for zero catches. So anytime you can really compare Diggs and Parker, I mean, that's a bad day at the offense. But he did get a touchdown, so he salvaged it. Uh, I mean, that's really about it. The, uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook, the Dalvin Cook show is is looking real nice right now. All right, let's let's go to the next game. Jacksonville Jaguars at Tennessee, uh, not Tennessee, at Houston. This one was another ugly one. Houston got the win at home, thirteen to twelve. This was a disgusting game. I'll let you pick first. Uh, I'll go Jacksonville. Uh, my thing with Jacksonville is, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the whole argument between the head coach and. And Ramsey. Now Ramsey wants to get traded. It's just more turmoil in that Jacksonville locker room. Uh, th- this team, this team peaked last season in like what week two, week three. Whenever they beat New England, that was it. It's like they finally they finally accomplished what they set out to do and beat New England. But it was a regular season game that didn't mean anything. Since that game, since that win, this team has been spiraling out of control. Uh, it, it is. It's crazy to watch. But now your best player wants out. Uh, obviously, no foals for the for the season. Now, Gardner Minshew looked okay. He went 23 for 33 for 213 in touchdown. That's okay. He also had six carries for 56 yards. So, I mean, Wiley had a pretty solid game. But the guy had more rushing yards than Leonard Fournette. Fournette only had 15 carries, which is nice, but he only turned into 47 yards. Averaging three yards per carry. That's not not ideal. Uh, he did have six targets, four catches, 40 yards, but no touchdowns. Uh, the Jacksonville offense just looks bad. D.D. Westbrook went from being a super sleeper to a super dud. Uh, he just doesn't have any value with Minshew on his center. So, I mean, he had, he had five targets and one pitch of three yards. The receiver you want to own in Jacksonville is D.J. Chark. Seven catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. That's back-to-back, very strong weeks from DJ Chark. So I would go and pick him up. I'm sure it being Wednesday morning, I'm sure all your waivers are already through, so hopefully you went out and got him. But, uh, yeah, there's not much to really be excited about in Jacksonville other than DJ Chark. No, and then the, the Houston side of the ball was ugly. Deshaun Watson probably had – oh, no, he definitely had his worst game of the season. That's probably going to stay his worst game of the season. He went 16 for 29, only 159 passing yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Got sacked four times, so the offensive line still can't hold up. The rushing game, I tried telling everybody. Everybody laughed at me. Everyone was just like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. We should pull your quote-unquote – fantasy expert card well look who's laughing now carlos hyde dominating the backfield 20 carries to duke johnson six carlos hyde had 20 carries for 90 yards four and a half per carry no touchdowns hasn't got a touchdown yet 
with Houston, but he is taking a stranglehold of that backfield. Duke Johnson, only six carries for 31 yards, no touchdowns. And Deshaun Watson only had four carries himself for five. So Carlos Hyde is dominating the running game right now. And for the people out there, the Duke Johnson believers, oh, well, Duke Duke's role is in the passing game. He's going to dominate the passing work. Duke Johnson had one target. Didn't, didn't pull it in. I'm telling you, this is going to be the Carlos Hyde show over there. I don't see a reason why he should have under 15 carries a game for this Houston team. The receiving game, DeAndre Hopkins had his worst game, possibly, of the whole season. Eight targets, only five catches for 40 yards, no touchdown, bad game. Will Fuller had seven targets right behind him, four catches for 40 yards, no touchdowns. They had no touchdowns in the passing game at all. Deshaun Watson had one rushing touchdown. That was the sole touchdown of, uh, of the whole Houston side of the ball. And that there's really not much to talk about with this one. Houston just went out there, had a bad performance. But Carlos Hyde was definitely the spotlight of this one to me. It looks like he's going to be a nice fit over there in Houston for what they want to do. Uh, real quick, I'm talking real quick. Give me like 10 seconds on why you don't like Carlos Hyde. Well, I don't like I, I'm. It's not that I don't like Carlos Hyde. I just would rather have other people. He doesn't really uh, excite me fan- in a fantasy sense at all. Uh I mean, he's going to get carries. He'll do all right, but he's never been a big touchdown guy. So, I mean, he's right. nervous. It's a good flex. That's about it. All right, let's go over to uh, let's go over to the Buffalo Bills, New York Giants. Now, the Bills won twenty-eight to fourteen on the road with a nice performance from the Bills. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I'll take the the Bills. I'll leave you the Giants. Josh Allen had himself a nice day. He had 19 for 30, 253 and a touchdown. Got sacked three times. I feel like three times seems to be a pretty good sack rate this week. I feel like everyone's getting sacked three times. Um, Devin Singletary, he had a non-contact injury. Luckily, it's not a knee. It looks like a hamstring. He was looking good out there while he was out there. He had six carries for about 60 yards and a touchdown. So he continues to look good. Uh, He might miss a couple weeks. With the hamstring, I haven't seen a report really on Singletary yet. But in the meantime, Frank Gore is going to be a guy. Uh, he had 19 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. His long was only nine yards. Uh, if Singletary misses time, Frank Gore is going to get upwards of 20 carries a game for probably 70, maybe 80 yards and a possibility of a touchdown. Not exciting, but Frank Gore is... Will be a flex if Singletary misses time, so keep your eyes open for any reports on that. In the receiving game, this is still proven to be John the John Brown show. He dominated targets, eight targets, caught seven of them for 72 yards. John Brown's leading the NFL in receiving yards through two weeks, uh, which is pretty absurd. He, uh, he had uh, he had a long of only 17, so he's getting a lot of kind of shorter stuff. He hasn't really broken off the big play to break up a play this week. And outside of that, I mean, you had to mention Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley had a long one. He had a 51-yard catch, which was pretty crazy. Outside of that, he didn't do all that great. He had four for 83. But the passing game seems to be John Brown and then everybody else. So I like John Brown at fantasy for sure. I think he's going to be a really solid flex. And if he can get a couple touchdowns on the board, I think he'll be a pretty decent low-end wide receiver too. What happened over there with your New York Giants? Oh, uh, well, these New York Giants have fallen to 0-2. Uh, 
thing about the Bills, they're not 2-0, and both games coming on the road. So that's pretty impressive. Anyway, the Giants, Eli Manning, 26 for 45, 250 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Uh, played his way to the bench. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Six yards of carry. Barkley, obviously, is going to dominate every single week. Um, receiver side of the ball, not much going on. Benny Fowler had 10 targets. Don't get that. I mean, I know they're real thin right now, and Latimer got hurt, and and Shepard's hurt, but I mean, th- this team needs Golden Tate to come back next week, like in a major way. Evan Ingram, eight targets, six catches, 48 yards. Uh, the only touchdown going to TJ Jones, so I'm sure everybody started him. Uh, and Barkley has seven targets, but for some reason, only had three receptions, 28 yards. So. Giants offense is pretty abysmal, but they are getting an installment of Daniel Jones this week. Everybody will be sitting down at the edge of the seats watching this man play, seeing what's going to happen. I mean, I'll be watching. I don't know if I'll be on the edge of my seat, though. Let's go over to the next game where we're starting to run out of time here, so let's breathe through these these last handful. We had the Seattle Seahawks, Pittsburgh Steelers. Seahawks won 28-26 on the road. I'll take I'll take Seattle. Russell Wilson, he had a great game, 29 for 35. When was the last time Russell Wilson threw 35 pass attempts in a game? Uh, that's just crazy. He threw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He had a great game for Russell Wilson. The rushing game, Chris Carson had the majority of the carries. He had 15 for 60, no touchdowns, but he did fumble the ball twice, which opened up the door for Rashad Penny to get in there. Penny had 10 carries for 62 yards and a, and a really long touchdown. So Penny looked good. Carson had the two fumbles, so that hurt. Uh, the receiving game, Lockett, he got the targets up. He had 12 targets, 10 catches for 79. No touchdown, but, I mean, you love to see the 12 targets. Then second on the team in targets, DK Metcalf. Looking pretty good out there. He has seven targets, only caught three of them for 61 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he just looks like a machine out there. The dude is ridiculously big. Now, I'm not worried about... Chris Carson, um, you really want to see him hold on to the ball in those situations. But if he doesn't fumble the ball twice, he would have more carries too. And in the passing game, he's still involved. He had three targets, caught all three for an additional about 30 yards in the passing game. So you you like how Carson's being involved in the passing game too, but this was a bad week when it comes to the fumbles. Yep, on uh, Pittsburgh's side of the ball, obviously Roethlisberger goes down. He's out for the year. So Mason Rudolph comes in, goes 12 for 19 for 112, two sessions and a pick. That's not too bad for getting thrown into the fire. James Conner, 11 carries to 33 yards, three yards of carry. That is not good for James Conner, but he did get a touchdown. Uh, he did get banged up, but it, it came out today he that James Conner is confident that he will play Sunday. So let's all take his word for it. He should be out there. Juju Smith-Schuster, five catches, 84 yards. On eight targets, Vince McDonald, seven targets, seven catches, 38 yards, and two touchdowns. And then James Washington had three targets, two catches, 23 yards. Uh, I think Vince McDonald is on the rise in this offense with Rudolph. And hopefully James Conner can turn the season around. He's, he's had a pretty rough start. Uh, two hard defenses so far, but, I mean, this week hopefully he'll turn it around. Uh, next game, what we got? 
Next game, we got the Indianapolis Colts getting the road win over the Tennessee Titans, 19-17. to I'll take the Colts so you can take your beloved Titans. Now, Brissett had a uh, – I mean, he threw three touchdowns. He only threw for 146 yards, 17 for 28. Did throw a pick. Uh, the running game, Marlon Mack dominated the carries again. He had 20 carries, only 51 yards, which is a, an abysmal 2.6 yards per carry. Better days ahead for Mack. Now, Mack was involved in the passing game. He caught two balls for 12 yards. So it was a down week for Marlon Mack for sure, but don't do anything too crazy with him. He's He'll be just fine. Uh, the receiving game, T.Y. Hilton came back down to earth. I mean, he only had four catches for 43 yards, but he did have a touchdown that saved your week. Ebron had four targets, three catches for only 25 yards, but again, a touchdown to save your week. And Jack Doyle was uh, pretty much a non-factor with two for 21. Um, the Colts are going to be hit or miss now. This was a low-scoring game. Tennessee's defense is pretty good, so I definitely think better days are ahead for them. Marlon Mack still got 20 carries, which which is good. That's all signs are good for that. It's just uh, it was a bad matchup on the road, so better days are ahead for the Colts. All right, the Titans, Mariota, 19 for 28, 154 yards, a touchdown, no picks. He also added five carries for 32 yards. Uh, Mariota's not putting up the greatest numbers, but he's not really making too many mistakes, so he's a, he's a, he's a quarterback to watch. Uh, Derek Henry, my boy, 15 carries, 81 yards, 5.4 yards a carry and a touchdown. And he also had three targets, had two catches for 12 yards. Delaney Walker, six targets, four catches, 39 yards. Davis, still not getting anything going. AJ Brown had five targets, tied for the lead with Corey, uh, actually no, second place, Corey Davis. They both had five targets. Uh, turned into three catches, 25 yards. Not too much to talk about on Tennessee's side of the ball other than Derrick Henry. Still doing his thing. All right, next up, the Dallas Cowboys got a road win, 31-21 to over the Washington Redskins. I'll give you the better team this time and let you take the Cowboys. I'm going to do Washington first. Case Keenum win 26 for 37 for 221 and two touchdowns. Not bad, no picks. Uh, the running game, Adrian Peterson got the start in this one as Darius Geis went to IR. Peterson had only 10 carries for 25 yards, 2.5 a carry, but he did have a touchdown, which completely bails you out this week if you had to play Peterson. Um, then uh, Chris Thompson, he's a known pass catcher. He only had two carries for three yards in this one. And then in the receiving game, he had eight targets, caught five of them, 48. So in a full PPR, he was still okay, not great. You don't feel good about starting him, but at least he's still involved in the passing game. The receiver you want for Washington is pretty clearly rookie Terry McLaurin. He led the team in targets with nine. He had five catches for 62 and a touchdown. Um, Trey Quinn, fairly decent. He was right behind him. Seven targets, only caught four of them for 36. But the guy you want in Washington is going to be McLaurin. Adrian Peterson will have better days, too. Uh, Dallas has a really good defense, so. Better days are ahead for Peterson and McLaurin. If he's on your waiver wire or if he's a free agent somehow, definitely try to scoop him up. Yeah, McLaurin looks really good. I got him in a lot of my leagues. Uh, All right, so Dallas, Dak Prescott still balling out. 26 of 30, 269 yards and three touchdowns. Did have a pick, but only four incompletions. Uh, Zeke had 23 carries, 111 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dak also uh, added 69 yards rushing, which, 
I mean, Dak is just doing big things this year like I expected. The receiving side of the ball, Devin Smith, three catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. He was a pretty hot waiver wire pickup. Uh, so if, if you uh, are a little late to the party, go out and see if he's available. But chances are he got scooped up. Michael Gallup, six for 68 on eight targets. He is down for two to four weeks. He's having a meniscus surgery just to clean up his knee a little bit. But uh, it's not too serious. He should be back in two to four weeks. Four for 44 and a touchdown. Jason Witten, another touchdown. Two weeks in a row, Jason Witten got a touchdown. Fresh out of time. Uh, Dallas's offense looks very good. The defense looks very good. They are going to be a contender in the NFC. Uh, I'm all in on Dak Prescott. I've been saying it for a couple months now. Dak, Dak is the real deal. He has so many weapons over there. They're going to continue to do well. Um, all right, next game. We're going to go to the Chiefs Raiders. Now, the Chiefs won 28-10. to Funny story is the Raiders were actually winning this game at home 10-0, and then Patrick Mahomes just decided, I'm going to throw four touchdowns in a quarter. Um, I'll give you the Chiefs, and I'll let you go first. Yeah, well, like you said, the, the guy is on another level. Uh, I was watching that game. It's just he just hits the switch, and everything goes right. You know, like he, he has such good touch on the deep ball. Uh, Demarcus Robinson was great. Nicole mean, Hardman had a good game, but he also had a long touchdown taken back. So he should have had an even better week than Robinson did. Um, I know uh, Damian Williams got banged up a little bit. You know, he looks okay. McCoy, same deal. It's, I mean, they, they got a solid running game, but I mean, really, it just comes down to Pat Mahomes and that group of receivers. Even without Tyreek Hill, it's like the next man up. Like week one, Timmy Walker dominated. Week two, Miko Hartman and Robinson look great. I mean, Kelsey's always there too, looking good. He had a nice touchdown grab. So, I mean, you know, it's it's just the usual – it's the huge right now, really. The, the Chiefs' offense is ridiculous. So, I mean, if you have any part of that offense, you're, you're going to be in shape. Yep, I agree. If you have anybody on Kansas City, you start them on a weekly basis. Now, the Raiders. Derek Carr came off looking good, ended up having a pretty bad night. He went 23 for 38 for 198 and one touchdown. Two picks. One of them was absolutely awful. They were in the red zone, and he tried to do an audible at the line, trying to get Tyrell Williams a one-on-one coverage for a fade route. And when he dropped back, he threw it, and uh, there was a miscommunication because Tyrell Williams wasn't expecting the fade route. He was expecting a run. So he lobbed it up into the end zone, and Tyree Williams didn't even fight for the ball because he didn't know the ball was coming. So that was not a good look for Oakland. But aside of that, Josh Jacobs, uh, now he ended up doing okay. He had a 50-yard run, which really saved him. He only had 12 carries for so 99 yards. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty upsetting because Oakland got behind, and then they got behind fast. And when they did... They started running out Jalen Richard more. DeAndre Washington got out there more. And they weren't really using Josh Jacobs in the passing game all of a sudden, which makes no sense because week one, he was used in the passing game. This week, he didn't even have a catch. So that was pretty uh, pretty disappointing for Josh Jacobs' owners. Luckily, that 51-yard rush kind of saved your week a little bit. He ended up still doing okay. But, yeah, 
Josh Jacobs week one was as good as advertised. Week two, they did not use him as they advertised. So that was pretty disappointing. The receiving game, Daryl Waller continues to just straight ball. He had seven targets, six catches for 63 yards, averaged over 10 yards a catch. Um, Waller looks really good. He's going to be a startable tight end one for the rest of the season. Tyrell Williams also had seven targets. He caught five of them for 46 and a touchdown. He caught the touchdown on the first drive of the game. Uh, was expecting a really big one from Tyrell, but like I said, the offense just got away from Derek Carr in this one. But Tyrell Williams still saved your week with that touchdown. Tyrell looks really good. He looks like a solid low-end wide receiver, too, or a really good flex. Him and Waller are going to get all the targets in, uh, in Oakland. So I like both of those guys going forward. And that's basically it for Oakland. This is a bad one for Oakland. Look for them to bounce back next week. Now, next game up, we got the Chicago Bears winning 16-14 to on the road in Denver. I'll let you choose the side on this one because neither of them are anything exciting. Wow, I'll take the Bears on this one. You can go first. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot for giving me Joe Flacco. 35 for 50. That's right. He threw the ball 50 times this game. Only 292. He averaged about 5.8 yards of throw. Um, uh, he had one touchdown, one pick. Nothing special there. The rushing game was interesting. This backfield is so split down the middle. If you have either of these guys, you just don't feel good. Royce Freeman, 11 carries, 54 yards. Phillip Lindsay, 13 carries, 36 yards. Neither of them scored a touchdown. So that is just... If you have either of those guys, you just can't really feel good about starting either of them. Until one of them pulls away from the other, which at this point, who knows what that's going to be. Now, Philip Lindsay did have seven targets, caught four of them for 30 yards. So, I mean, that that helps. But then again, Royce Freeman had seven catches for uh, five, seven targets, five catches, 48 yards. So, they're so close that you can't really play either of them. You know who you can play? Emmanuel Sanders. 13 targets, 11 catches, 98 yards and a touchdown. What? How is this even happening? He's defying all logic. He's old. He had a bad injury. He came back early from it. And he's just absolutely balling right now. I, I really don't understand it. If you have Emmanuel Sanders on your team, he could, be a, he could be a target that you trade away and get something decent in return. Or you could start him. He's putting up wide receiver two numbers pretty easily. I have no problem starting Emmanuel Sanders at my two. Uh, this week or going forward until either Flacco gets hurt or Sanders re-aggravates an injury. But the receiving game, it's all Sanders. I mean, Sutton had seven targets. He only got four of them for 40. Uh, Noah Font, four for 33. Like, nothing special. Emmanuel Sanders is the standout on this offense. I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, uh, quick little tidbit of information. If I uh, played Sanders in our in my listener league, the 20 league, uh, I would have won but, you know, we'll get into the recap just in a little bit. Uh, all right, so, yeah, the Bears, they finally gave Montgomery the tar, uh, the carries. He had 18 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Daryl Patterson, two carries for 50 yards. So, I mean, he's going to continue to be a big player, but doesn't really hold any fantasy value. Mitchell Trubisky... Not good. 16, 27, 120 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, receiving side of the ball, Allen Robinson had a kind of off day, four catches, 41 yards. Uh, I mean, not much to really talk about other than Montgomery. I wish he would get more targets. He had three targets, 
had one catch for six yards. So Montgomery is a guy I do still believe in. I think uh, he's going to continue to get better. But, uh, I mean, that's really it. There's not too many uh, players out there. Yep. Uh, next game, let's jump right to the Saints-Rams. Now, this one was the game of the week and turned out to be a bit of a flop because Drew Brees got hurt early in the game. Um, I'll take the Saints. I'll give you the Rams. Uh, yeah, Brees, I mean, he didn't play long. He only threw the ball five times. Now, when he threw it, his throwing hand through the throwing motion went right into uh, Aaron Donald's hand, and it didn't look good. So, he... Fucked up the ligaments in his thumb. He was on the sidelines. He couldn't even grip or pick up a football. So he's going to be out. It looks like six weeks from thumb surgery. He's not going to be put on IR, which is good. So he will be back. In the meantime, Bridgewater went out there. He was 17 for 30, 165. No touchdowns, no picks. Um, but, I mean, they're going to have a whole a whole week to put together a nice package for Bridgewater. So we'll see how he does this week. The running game, like I said, very disappointing. Kamara, 13 for 45. Latavius Murray, only 5 for 7. So that's Latavius Murray owners thinking that he was a flex. He might not be able to be a flex for a little while now. Michael Thomas, he still did fine. 13 targets, 10 catches, about 90 yards. But Jared Cook, 7 targets, only 2 catches for 25. That hurts. Trick on Smith, 350. Latavius Murray, 1 for 16. Alvin Kamara was the big one, only 1 for 15. Very disappointing. Um, yeah, so I really don't know what else to say about the Saints. We have to see how they look with Bridgewater going forward. Now, Sean Payton came out and said that they're actually not going to name the starting quarterback yet. I don't see why it would be anybody other than Bridgewater. So I don't know if they're just being cute or trying to not cue the defense in. But uh, it's going to be Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, it just came out a little bit ago that, that he, Payton said – Bridgewater and Taysom Hill are both ready to play. So I'm sure there'll probably be some packages where Hill is in there under center. Who knows? They, they might get creative with it. Uh, the Rams have the ball. Jared Goff had a pretty solid day, 19-28, 283 and a touchdown, no picks. Todd Gurley had a pretty good day, 16 carries, 63 yards to get a touchdown. So uh, Gurley is still like he, – he's getting the carries. It's just – I, I don't know. It's weird. If I'm a girly owner, I'm not too confident right now. And uh, if I was a girly owner, I, I am. But, you know, you got to have Malcolm Brown as a handcuff. Uh, he only had six carries, but he still averaged six yards a carry. So, early, you know, there's still a lot to be uh, desired. Receiving side of the ball, Cooper Cup, five catches for 120 yards on nine targets. That's pretty solid. Brandon Cooks, three catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Robert Woods, just two targets, two catches, 33 yards. So you would expect more out of Robert Woods. But uh, yeah, no, that's about it. The uh, the Rams beat up on the Saints with minus Breeze. Uh, I know everybody was waiting for this game all week. And then Breeze goes down early in the game. So and being kind of boring. But yeah, Todd Gurley, he looks good. Anyway, and Cooper Cup is uh, back from the injury looking healthy. Yeah, um, with the Rams, a couple things on Robert Woods. He did have a bad game, but he had two big plays be called back. So Robert Woods had a bad game on the stat sheet, but if you watch the game, Robert Woods 
was more involved in the stat show. So I'm not worried at all about Robert Woods uh, going forward. Next up, we had the Sunday night game. This is the Philadelphia Eagles, Atlanta Falcons. This one was a thriller, actually. The Eagles end up stealing a victory at home 24-20. to I'll go first. I'll take Atlanta this time. Now, Matt Ryan was 27 for 43 for 320 yards, three touchdowns, but three interceptions. Not good in the turnover department. The rushing game, again, Devontae Freeman dropped the ball again. He only had 11 carries for 22 yards. Ito Smith had four carries for 32. So Ito had eight yards a carry. Devontae Freeman only had two. Freeman is off to a very slow stop this year. He didn't even have any catches either. No, actually, no, he did. He had three catches for 42. Um, but no, you wanted more out of Freeman. He was everybody's favorite bounce back running back this year. He was everyone's favorite third or early fourth round pick that just hasn't uh, happened yet. Now, this one, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley both dominated. They both had 10 targets apiece. Calvin Ridley caught eight of them for 105 and a touchdown. If you started Calvin Ridley this week, you were excited. Julio Jones, the guy who can't catch any touchdowns, right? Well, he caught five of his 10 targets for 106 yards and two touchdowns. One of them was the game winner. Julio Jones is big, he's fast, he's explosive, and he looks great. Obviously, you're playing Julio Jones every every game, no matter the matchup, you're starting Julio Jones. But Calvin Ridley did flash in this game, showing that he could be a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three for you. Definitely had a nice game here. Austin Hooper did Austin Hooper things. He had four for 34. Sounds about right. And Mohamed Sanu, uh, he had seven targets, which was third on the team. But he only caught four of them for 16 yards. You can only start Julio, Calvin, and Freeman is really getting to a point where he's making it hard to start him. He needs to show you something this week because uh, I'm out on Devontae Freeman at this point. Uh, yep. So on the Eagles side, Carson Wentz, 25 of 43, 231, a touchdown, and two picks. The Eagles running game, like I stated before, I don't like that at all. Uh, Miles Sanders, 10 for 28. Jordan Howard, 8 for 18. And then Wentz gets the rushing touchdown. So, I don't like that for the backfield. Uh, on the receiver side, Nelson Aguilar, 8 catches, 107 yards, and touchdown on 11 targets. Zach Ertz, 16 targets, 8 catches, 72 yards. Uh, Matt Collins, 8 targets, 5 catches, 50 yards. Uh, so, Deshaun Jackson got banged up. Uh... He had he laid a goose egg for you guys. <clears throat> I know Mark had him, and uh, you know that was uh, that was about it. You know, uh, not much to really uh, get excited about. Uh, maybe Aguilar, but I doubt anybody really started him. With Deshaun Jackson being out, I think Aguilar is gonna be worthy of picking up. Maybe playing him at a receiver three spot. Uh, but yeah, it's really just Zach Ertz over there, really. Yeah, and it should be mentioned that uh, Alshon Jeffries and Sean Jackson are both expected to miss two weeks. So it could be ugly going forward for Philly's offense, but this is a great time to place Zach Ertz if you got him because he's going to absolutely dominate targets over the next two weeks. But enough about that. Let's go to the uh, the Monday night game. This is another pretty ugly one. The Cleveland Browns in a get-right spot beat the Jets 23-3 to on the road. Now, the Jets did have Trevor Simeon have one of the most gruesome-looking, non-bone-breaking injuries I've ever seen. 
Uh, so I guess I'll take New York, which sucks. Now, Simeon only threw the ball six times for three yards. And like I said, he got absolutely fucking destroyed. As soon as it happened, I thought they were going to have to pull out the car. I thought his leg was broken in like fucking three places. But somehow, he, uh, he'll he be all right. He's I mean, he's done, but at least he didn't die. Luke Folt came in. Looking at the numbers, you might be like, hey, this kid's not bad. 20 for 25 for 198. No touchdowns, no picks. But it should, it's definitely worth mentioning that I've, probably 90, 90% of his targets were all at the line of scrimmage. Le'Veon Bell had 10 targets, 10 catches for 61 yards. Folk was absolutely loving throwing it to, to Le'Veon. If you had Le'Veon in a full-point PPR, you were pretty happy with this performance. Not only did Le'Veon have 10 catches for 60, he also had 21 carries for 68 on the ground. This offense is going to be the Le'Veon Bell show until Donald comes back. Donald, they're saying he'll he's trying to come back after their week four bye week. So if you have Le'Veon, if you have Robbie Anderson or Crowder, you're just going to have to be patient and wait. Now, Robbie Anderson, he had six targets. He caught four of them for 81 yards. He did have an additional 30-yard completion called back on an offensive hold. Which, uh, which is unfortunate if you, uh, if you were the Robbie Anderson owner. But Robbie Anderson looks good. Jameson Crowder, I mean, he came way back down to earth after a 17-target game. But what do you expect with Luke Falk? I think he had six targets, caught four of them for 40. Ty Montgomery is a non-factor. So the Jets going forward, you can't play Luke Falk, obviously. I shouldn't even have to say that. But you can still roll with Le'Veon for sure. And if you need a wide, if a wide receiver three, you can still get away with Robbie Anderson, you just can't feel that great about it. All right, yeah, going to the Browns. Baker Mayfield had a comeback. He played better this week than he did last week. He went 19 for 35, 325, a touchdown and a pick. Nick Chubb, 18 carries, 62 yards and a touchdown. Also added four catches for 36 yards. Uh, the story of this game, though, was Odell Beckham. Six catches, 161 yards and a touchdown. Not to mention a beautiful one-handed catch down the sideline. And he just absolutely torched the defenders on that 89-yard touchdown, which was his longest play of his career. So it's good to see Beckham out there doing Odell things. Uh, Jarvis Landry, seven targets, three catches, 32 yards. He's still been quiet. Um, Yeah, but really, uh, I mean, this, this Monday night game was interesting for me personally because I had two Monday night miracles. One was against your boy over there across the way. I had the Browns defense give me 16. I got a W. I had Beckham give me 33 in the league. I ended up winning by six. Big fantasy implications for this game. I'm glad the Browns came out and beat the, down the third string quarterback for the Jets. <laughs> but uh, nothing like a Monday Night Miracle. What's your take on that? Uh... Well, we don't even have enough time to get into how lucky you got against me, so I'm I can't even I can't even get into that. Uh, let's just say it was one of the things where all the things break right for your opponent, and you just can't catch a break. And the curse of Le'Veon Bell continues to fuck you. Uh, two years out in a row now, so uh, Le'Veon Bell owes me money. He owes me some fantasy wins and. Uh, I hate him. <laughs> so that's that. But now, real quick about the Browns before we sign off. 
you really wanted more out of Nick Chubb in this one. He only averaged 3.4 yards a carry against the Jets, banged up defense. I really thought Chubb was going to go nuts in this game. Now, he did have four targets, but four of them. So you do like to see his involvement in the passing game. But I have a question for you before we sign off. Now, Jarvis Landry. Landry's had a bad first two weeks. And it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. If you had Jarvis Landry, can you even play him right now? Uh, I would not be playing Jarvis Landry right now, no. unless unless you're in a very deep league and you you have a three receiver set. Can you be receiver three? Yeah, so I think that's gonna do it for our uh, for our weekly breakdown. What do you think? Is there anything else you want to add? Well, I think we should do our leagues justice and do a quick recap of what happened. Okay, uh, let let me go first. I already got mine pulled out. Now, for the $50 listener league. Whoa. What's going on over there, buck guy, huh? What? (laughs) Oh, I already got mine pulled out over here. (laughs) Well, trust me, it's, it's not as exciting, so... Keep your keep your pants on over there because I took an L this week. Uh, it was one of the it was one of the scenarios where your bench goes off and your starters don't do nothing. Sleeper actually awarded me the worst manager because I left a ton of points on my bench, so that's always nice. Um, my opponent was the doctor, and the doctor operated for sure. He beat me one hundred seven to eighty. Uh, next up, we had probably the biggest blowout of the week. Humphrey went up against Las Vegas. Las Vegas last week had the highest scoring team. And then he came back down to earth hard, putting up a 69. Humphrey won, wins 154 to 69. Benzino went up against Rasmurk, and this one was fairly close. Rasmurk got the W, though, 117 to 105. Uh, the next game, we had Going for Ships going up against Unlocked Joint, and Unlocked edged him out 130 to 126 in a close one. Uh, Oogie Boogie put up 134, which was enough to beat Parker's 122. Uh, then another blowout. Go ahead, wins 137 to Mayonnaise's 75. Wow. So you're, oh, what are you, what's your record in your league? I'm one in one. Okay. All right. So the 20 league, my league, I ended up losing to B Star. By two points, I believe. Uh, I needed a little bit less from a couple guys on Monday night, and I would have pulled out the win. But yeah, so I dropped to one on one, B Star one on one. Next up, Army Life, who I'm matching up with this week. Uh, he moved to 2 0, beating down Fantasy God, who falls to 0 2. Dustin falls to 0 2 against John Solo, who is now 1 on 1. Peak Morris, 1 on 1. Josh Riley, two and zero. He moved. He, he moved on to be one of the few undefeated I have in my league. Yellow Mike moved to two and zero. Joshua eighty five dropped to one and one. And Matt gets his first win of the year. One and one beats Major Use, who falls to zero and two. Uh, I lost Drew Brees, but it doesn't matter because I have Dak Prescott. But uh, I also lost Michael Gallup, so. That, that our leagues are super super deep, and there's not much in the waiver wire, so it, it's going to be an interesting season. It's going to be a battle. 
Yep, both leagues are proven competitive, but we all know the fifty dollar league is the more superior. Natural, natural. Yeah. All right. Well, we are officially out of time today, so um, make sure you guys are subscribing and listening on all platforms. Make sure you guys are telling your league mates, your friends, your family, your teachers, your bosses, your coworkers, your neighbors. Your pets, whatever you have, tell your kids to listen to the show. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a couple days as we do a quick week three preview. So that over there is AJ. This is Mark. We're out.